Welcome to the Love Sport Podcast. This is Paul, your host. You can get me at Paul underscore football. A very, very happy and biased man with both the Melbourne Storm winning the NRL and the mighty Richmond Tigers winning the AFL. Both the teams I absolutely love. Ah, sport, it can bring you down, but my God, it can bring you up. We'll be joined by John, and he can be found at Lambic Peach on Twitter, and also Super Pete Novikowski, that is Pete with a W. This is the Love Sport Podcast. that so often um, can tear us down. It can bring us up. I don't know what your thoughts are over the weekend, but it was amazing sport. <laughs> it, it shows we're speechless based on uh, what was going on over the weekend uh, in every capacity, whether it was Premier League, whether it was the NRL final, whether it was the AFL final. I think that uh, all of us, we're basically speechless. Come Friday, uh, come Sunday night. Well, let's. Uh, it was let's, pretty. It was pretty good. Yeah. Let's get it out of the way so that you don't have to uh, suffer too much of my. Uh, I don't know what to call it, but let's let's get the AFL Grand Final out of the way. Um, first ever historic Grand Final played away from Victoria for the AFL. Um, also, the first night Grand Final as well. Um, I don't know how many times I can say as well in this podcast. We'll, we'll keep accounts. Uh, torrential, absolutely horrendous storm conditions leading up to the grand final. A long wait for a lot of people. Uh, 6.30 kickoff in Queensland or first bounce and 7.30 in New South Wales. Boys, I'll let you start with your thoughts on the AFL grand final and then I'll uh, throw a few things out for you. Uh, Pete, um, well, I'll, I'll talk. I'll, I'll have a shot at it. Look, I thought the AFL Grand Final was in many ways a real tribute to what a wonderful um, nation that we do live in, how lucky we are. You, um, We've had, obviously, our Victorian friends stuck in lockdown for so very long and their sporting showpiece is shared around up here. I thought that the organisers did a great job. I think it's pretty easy to be one of those tools who gets online and says, oh, the entertainment was this, it wasn't that. Hey, I'm a metal fan and they never play any of the music I like. I really don't care. You know what I mean? I thought that the whole day was pretty good. I quite liked uh, the Wolf Mother guy. I thought it was, it was awesome. Um, and then the, um, the game itself, I thought it didn't let anyone down. I was, as a Lions fan, I was a bit disappointed when Gary Ablett Jr. was injured so early on. I kind of felt that really shifted the balance of the two mighty midfields. I wish it had happened the week against us. Um, but, you know, 
I thought Richmond's third quarter showed that they have been the best team in the AFL for four years. Uh, they deserve their premiership. Um, and as I said to you, Paul, in a text, just straight afterwards, congratulations. I'm left with the feeling that it's going to be up to the Lions. They're going to have to cut off the head of the Tigers because I don't think anyone else is capable of doing it next year. To end yeah, the look, that, look, that's a great point. And the thing is, look, John and I obviously could watch it from our own lounge rooms, but Paul, you, you were there in the stands. So I think that there's no better voice than your own to be able to kind of describe it. So in that opening few minutes of the, of the first bounce, what was kind of like the vibe in the grandstands? Um, look, leading up to it, um, if I can say, you know, the hour beforehand, it was still raining heavily and the atmosphere was actually, sorry, it was to, to cliche this, the atmosphere was actually electric. Um, there were still clouds around. Um, there was mist. The lights weren't turning on properly. There's a lot of things that weren't spoken about. I think what John said about our southern um, states, their suffering they've gone through, hopefully it gave them, obviously, with TV ratings, something to watch. But being in the stands and sitting actually or standing on, on the fence, I thought the entertainment was amazing. I mean, you have to have it pretty cookie-cutter, let's be honest about that. And I think they did a great job. Um, thank God. And I think it's Andrew Stockdale from Wood Mother, uh, Wolf Mother. I've probably got his name wrong. Um, he did an outstanding job because the music was pretty mellow. Mm-hmm. And it just needed something before the game. It's needed anything before the game. Uh, but the entertainers were brilliant. I think the organisers were outstanding. I've run a number of sporting events over the years. I don't think anyone could have done a better job than the Gabba staff, um, than Queensland events, the AFL. I really don't think anyone could have done a better job under the conditions as well. Um, night grand final is extremely hard. Um if you're doing things throughout the day, which I was organising and then leading into the night, I honestly believe it'll be a twilight grand final moving forward. I think they'll do a day grand final next year and then move it into twilight, which kind of seems perfect. Um, But, hey, to be part of history, partway through the second quarter, I said to my old man, I was lucky enough, we've been to a number of grand finals, first one ever together. Um, And I said to him in the third quarter, uh, sorry, second quarter, I'm still loving this event. I don't think we're going to win, but I'm still loving it. And I'm going to stay here to the end. I'm going to stay here till 15, 20 minutes afterwards. And he said the same thing. So I think that says a lot about the game. Um, what did you think? Though, could, what was your yeah, feeling when Gary Ablett got hurt? Well, I'll probably give a counterpoint to that. At the same time, or a few seconds just before that, the general of our back line, uh, Nick Vlostone, went down at the same time um, and was knocked out. Yeah, and it's I thought, like comparing Pele to, you know, I don't know. Oh, no, no, I'm not comparing the players. Not comparing the players, but it really threw out Richmond's structure at that point as well. And you could tell that in the first half. Our back line were looking around at each other. They didn't have that normal voice. When Gary went down, I'm not someone who – I do not take any pleasure in a star going down. And I thought, oh, nah, he'll be back. I did not know that he'd broken his shoulder. Um, I didn't know that Basha Hooley had also ripped his calf in half. And, you know, what, there were two players knocked out throughout the game? It was, uh, just, yeah. it was, it was a ferocious game, to be honest. Being there live and seeing how big the guys are, you forget how big they are, even if you're only there the week beforehand. These guys are giants. Yeah. Um, and they hit each other from all sorts of angles. So we'll come to the NRL grand final in a moment. But the ferocity that they hit, them, hit each other with... I think you guys would know this. It's 
you're not seeing where the contact comes from half the time, so you're not braced for some of it. It was really tough game of football. Um, but you're right. Gary Ablett going off changed a lot of things for them. Their midfield, I think the biggest mistake in the game was playing Dangerfield too far, too far forward and for too long. They never brought him onto the, the ball. I think that with that too, I mean, I've got to pay tribute. I, and I apologise for taking not the... I, I try to be positive with lots of stuff I talk about, but... Um, I think we have to all tip our hat to Dustin Martin. And I've watched a, a lot of great AFL players come and go. I'm not going to say the guy's my favourite player, but I have to say that of people I've seen in finals, in just about every sport I've ever really actually watched, I haven't seen too many guys like him who, when the backs are to the wall, delivers every single time. That dude's unbelievable. I think that a lot of people will judge careers on, you know, he's home and away seasons. He's won a Brownlow. Probably not, the, as we all know, he's not the greatest player throughout the home and away. But as the season progresses and it builds up with four or five, six games to go, you can just see the fire in his eyes. It's like he needs a challenge. Uh, I could be wrong there, but there's a lot of footballers of soccer and rugby league, um, AFL, that every now and again there's that champion who needs a challenge, and he's one of them. Three Norm Smiths. A Brownlow, three Gary Ayer medals. Uh, Gary Ayer's is for the best player in the final series. And one, so he's the only player who's ever won three Norm Smiths. And he's one of only two players who's had 20 possessions and multiple goals in three grand finals. There's an, um, argument, there's an argument going on that game, Paul. Lots of people want to put it that Gary Ablett Jr. is the best player of all time, better than Lee Matthews. You know, if you, if you were to ask me who I want in my team, out of Gary Ablett Jr. and... Dustin Martin, and this is not recency bias. This is just mm, a fact. Mm. Oh, give me Dustin Martin. I don't know. Look, um, growing up seeing Lee Matthews in person when I was a young kid, I don't think I've ever seen a better forward for his size as well. He's not a big man. Um, I, I, I could be wrong here. I think he kicked 900 goals. I think he kicked I'm not talking about goals. That was the narrative that's been written around Gary Ablett Jr., yeah. true or not. All right, so um, if that is the case then uh, I, I'll take Dustin Martin. I think the scary thing is that his career is far from over and the way that Richmond is set up at the moment, and I, I'm, it, it, you can't see him not having at least another crack at a grand final. And I think that changes the conversation. Right now, I don't know which way. I mean, I, I have to say Dustin Martin, but if I tried to put on a neutral hat, I don't know which of the two you would take. Well, I've got a neutral hat on. I'll take Dustin Martin. <laughs> I can't know what else I can say, man. Like, yeah, the guy's unbelievable. He won you that game in the back end. Well, I mean, I know we hear these cliches a lot, and, and Pete, you hear it in every other sport as well, but he literally grabbed us by the throat and said, come with me, boys. Um, it was tangible. You could see that emotion late in the second quarter when he picked us up and said, let's go the team rose with him. And that's a pretty rare player that can do that when there's 22 players on each team. Mm. But look, once again, the detractors weren't there. Like, I don't know anyone who went to the game who didn't say it was an amazing event. I'm not just talking about the game, but the, the, the fire and smoke ceremonies, the national anthem, the entertainment, the light show. Like, honestly, if you weren't there, I understand why you'd be upset, but I don't know anyone who went, and I'm talking Geelong supporters after the game, 
they all said it was an amazing event. So just the day after it, news.com and on uh, Daily Mail and even on the ABC, they had people who were just throwing darts at the entertainment and saying it was, you know, you know that crap way they do it and they do it in all sports. I'm sure it would be all three of us know about it. Now the lazy journalism where they just go and pick out some tweets from people who, who are, are pissed off and yeah. they just put that up. It's like, I don't get, I don't vibe with that story. But the power of one person these days is blown totally out of out of proportion to everybody else who's happy. And it's the classic concept you, of people are more worried to complain about the halftime show than they are about the actual entertainment in front of them. Um, people are more worried about whatever the music was in the pre-game show than worried about the actual footy that was played. I, like, I don't know, me personally, if I was going to go to a grand final, I'm there for the sport. I'm not there for the music. It's, it's just an additional extra that you get that if you want to. Yeah, I, I, I'd be happy if they put Metallica and Maiden on, but they're never going to do that. So I'm just going to roll it. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah. That's the thing. We're there for the sport. That's why we're there. Um, yeah. And I think people have to remember we're not, um, we're not US sport. It is a sport where supporters can still go to the game. So the entertainment is, is not the absolute priority. It, it's, they're, they're Indigenous sports to this country. Um, I mean, I know rugby league's not, but it's largely is. It's pretty close. Here it's as well. pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. And so the entertainment was a bonus. And I think I said that to you guys before. Even when we were losing, I'm saying to Dad, and he was agreeing, this is fantastic. It was not something you could pick on. Yeah, the music could have been a bit more upbeat is what I would suggest as a positive. But even the people who performed, they were all sensational. You know, they, they did what they were told to do. And I, I, I couldn't – I think you said it, Pete, um, about you go to the game for the game. And a lot of people are forgetting that at three-quarter time, it was a two-point game. It, so up until that point and probably – five, six minutes into the last quarter. It was a fabulous game of football. Yeah, well, I'm really pleased for you, Paul. i got to say, I know that you're a lifelong supporter and, and I'm happy. Look, uh, as the older I get, the less time I've got for trying to be a smart, you know, with friends who go for teams. Um, I was happy. I think that they deserved to win, even though we beat you out pretty good just two weeks beforehand. But, hey, that's the way it rolls out. You know, you, you, you know the setup and... Uh, we couldn't get up for our second game in a month, thanks to the final system. And and look, it was a very weird year. The final system doesn't favour it when you've got the the bye the week beforehand, um, and and you did comprehensively beat us. And hopefully, that's a fillip for you guys to actually pick up and 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 go ahead next year. Um, you know, taking the bias hat off. I, I think it's going to be hard for the Lions to back up, but if they do. There's a grand final for the taking. So, look, I don't know who's going to challenge us, but the Lions will definitely be one of the teams. Um, in saying that, um, we're going to go on a bit of a different tangent, guys. We'll come to the NRL grand final later in the show just to break it up a little bit. Going to cover off a little bit of American sport. Then we're going to do Premier League, and we're going to finish off with the NRL grand, grand final just to kind of bookmark it, if that's okay with you guys. And it's yeah. not too bad. <laughs> this morning, we saw the LA Dodgers or... Some people saw the LA Dodgers win their first World Series in 32 years, um, winning their Series 4-2. Um, mad scenes of a 1,000 people celebrating. So there was a lot of COVID lockdown. So in uh, East Los Angeles, there was around about 1,000 people. Um, we'll put a bit of coverage of that in this podcast. Uh, some pretty f- funny news coverage. So you'll have to listen out to that later. Did you guys watch the World Series? Can you be honest? Are you baseball fans? 
Well, look, to be blunt, no, I didn't watch the uh, World Series. Uh, I don't mind baseball in the background, uh, but I wouldn't say it's one of those sports that I'm going to sit down on the sofa and kind of like uh, enjoy for hours on end. If anything, I thought that the biggest news story uh, of this World Series actually was uh, announced just a few hours ago where it was actually uh, the likes of Justin Turner, who actually returned to celebrate uh, with his teammates despite having a positive COVID-19 test. Uh, so he was actually part of all the post-game celebrations, the all the team photos, despite the fact that it was technically ruled out of the game. And I think that's one of the reasons, obviously, why our country is doing well with COVID and and other countries, such as the US, we're not putting them down. It's just unbelievably ridiculous that you would your own teammates and, 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 and their families. So are you guys there? You there, Paul? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah, so I was that last bit. Yep. Uh, I, was just, I was just saying, like, it, we, we're living in a country where, you know, we can say what we want about the general populace, but I think we're doing a marvellous job with COVID. Um, what you said is just absolutely beyond comprehension that a player would do that to, to his teammates and to their families to put them in danger. Yeah, exactly. But look, uh, let's also celebrate the fact that, you know, as... You know, we as an Australian nation, we know what it's like to to wait a long time to be able to celebrate success. Obviously, the Socceroos had to wait a heck of a long time before they could qualify for a World Cup. And now we've got the likes of the Dodgers who had to wait 32 years to be able to celebrate themselves. So uh, you can definitely understand why the celebrations across Los Angeles has been so intense over the last uh, few hours and why the people have been, you know, coming out in the, the streets to really uh, be celebrating with their friends, their family. Um, it, it shows just how much it really matters to these baseball fans. I think LA is one of the few, uh, is one of the parts of the US that's actually been in a genuine kind of lockdown throughout, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is definitely California and LA. So, you know, for, like flaunting those rules, uh, let's call it what it is. I mean, like you said, it's a shambles the way that they've dealt with coronavirus at a federal, state and local level in America. Um, and I'm sure that the, you know, when the inevitable rioting breaks out in the streets, which comes with every win in the States, that that'll bring with it some stuff and then something bad will happen and will go viral and the next thing we'll be out protesting about what happened at the protests. So, you know, they're never going to get on top of it. Uh, the election's coming up this week. Um Good luck. If no one's coughed on you yet, it's coming. Oh, absolutely. And look, it's just what a great time it has been for LA in regards to sport. The Lakers um, winning, obviously, the NBA. Now the Dodgers winning as well. Um, and they're not doing too... I mean, they've got, they've got a, some teams in the NFL. They've got eight team in the NFL who might end up being semi-decent. Um, so congratulations to the Dodgers and those who follow baseball closely. Um, there has been a massive asterisk put on the season because it's almost less than half the games were played. There were seven innings games. There were double headers instead of them being nine. So, look, I still think in the conditions that everyone's had to play in, I don't think an asterisk should be on any season. You win, you deserve to win, especially in these uh, trying conditions. So, well done, Dodgers. They're only putting asterisks on it if you didn't win. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, it's like asterisks on everything because the AFL quarters have been short. The NRL season's been short. 
There's no fans in England, you know. Like I mean, like seriously, who cares? Get on. They won. That's theirs. They can have. Hundred uh, percent. Now, something very close to your heart, and uh, I know we're making you suffer here, Pete. Although you're a, a connoisseur of all sport, the NFL brought up some uh, interesting results uh, over the weekend. That was an awesome weekend at NFL. And Pete, you're going to have to get yourself a team, man. Um, I could recommend the Green Bay Packers, but <laughs> you know, it's. It was such an awesome weekend, and I thought uh, one of the stories that sort of like slipped by. I mean, we can go recap everything. I don't want to do that. I, no. I, I, I'm excited, um, you know, when I'm not always excited, just, you know, quarterbacks come and go, and everyone says this, that, and the other. You see somebody who really reminds you of a player that you've loved in the past. And the guy that's starting for the LA Chargers, a guy called Justin Herbert, yeah. um, you know, he reminds me, Paul, of Brett Favre. And I haven't heard anyone say that. And it's just the throwing motion that he's got and the style he's got. He's a real gunslinger, and I, and I love watching him. And I couldn't believe how's this. It feels like the dude would have won a game. Pete, he came in for his, his debut a couple of weeks ago when the starting quarterback in Los Angeles had a, had a lung or was given a, um, a needle for a broken for a rib. He was getting a, yeah. what do you call it, an injection? It was and the doctor used his lung. And so uh, he was saying, oh, boys, I can't play. And they're saying, why not? Because his lung was filling up with fluid and it could have nearly killed him. Yeah, it almost killed him. Um, so in, in real short notice, this dude goes out and debuts and um, he had nothing to think about beforehand. He's just a fabulous player. Uh, uh, Paul, you seen him play? Yeah, I've seen him play, I saw him play a lot in college. I, I love my college football. And, and I actually did hear someone uh, refer to him as, as Brett Favre. I haven't heard, uh, haven't read articles, but in the commentary, one of the guys did say, and I can't remember who it was, that it did remind him of Brett Favre. He just loves throwing the ball. And, and we need more of that in the NFL. We really do. Yeah, he, he throws off balance and he just makes things happen. And he, he got his first win up. The Chargers are a team that's perennially snake-bitten with injuries and all that sort of stuff. But if you've got a good quarterback, you've got, you've got your main piece and they got a chance. And I've got to say, it's really hard to tell who's the LA Chargers and who's the LA Rams with the, the helmets and the logos and all that. But uh, that's been fun. And the other thing that I really enjoyed this weekend was an absolutely outstanding game between Seattle and the Cardinals. Wow. What a game and that Carl was. Murray. Ten, they, they gave up, what, a 10-point lead with about, was it three or four minutes to go? Yeah, but it was the way that overtime panned yeah. out. This team, um, Pete's been unbeaten, the Seahawks, and they've been a powerhouse for a while. The Cardinals have been a a doormat, a kicking boy, a whipping boy, whatever you want to call it, for quite a long time. And they've got this little quarterback. He's only five foot nine. He puts his helmet on and he looks like, Rick Moranis in um, Spaceballs. Oh, he does. The helmet's huge. I hadn't thought of that. He and really does. He looks like that. And um, and when he runs, his legs look like Adam Ant underneath yeah. Rick Moranis' helmet. And uh, he's fabulous. And that game was awesome, man. And i I got to admit, I love seeing Russell Wilson making a mistake, even though I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Well, mate, the other game that I really enjoyed, um, and, I, and I, I know we're not supposed to hate on anyone's team, but being a long-suffering Dolphins fan, to see the Pats uh, fall to two and four and the Niners absolutely tear them up 33-6, to six, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I know that's not uh, Christian of me and so forth, but the Niners really did touch up the Pats and I think they're in big, big trouble. How soft is the, 49, is the 49ers draw been this year? 
Yeah, you, when you really look at yeah, it, yeah, you were saying you were actually saying that last week. You thought they were um, going to run into a few harder games in the coming weeks. Um, they have had a- the Patriots aren't what they've been, mate, and and they're not what they've been. But I did hear some scuttlebutt, some absolute BS today, trying to throw shade at Bill Belichick because he's been unable to coach up Cam Newton. It's like, come on, the guys had coronavirus; he's missed weeks. Um, no preseason. They're in transition. I think. I, I think that it's just. People are so quick to want to get rid of great people in sport and just write them off. Oh. I, I, I don't like people who are on that sort of – you know, people want to sit in that corner and just go straight away. I'm happy to see them get beat. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it does anything to tarnish Bill Belichick's legacy. Oh, my God. Look, as I said, I'm a Finns fan, so I can hate on the Pats, right? Bill Belichick's an ab- – I don't want to yeah. say God. That's blasphemous. But Bill Belichick's as close as you get to – living legend that uh, no anyone who questions him I don't think they really enjoy the sport because he is absolutely sensational and if every other coach in the world would, would say that um, Chiefs just put on their customary 43 points again um, one one final story on the NFL um, and you probably have already read this uh, guys but the Jets are zero and seven now Trevor Lawrence is the best college quarterback going around at the moment and is the best one coming out probably since Andrew Luck. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Very, very, yeah, spot on. Now, you would think the Jets would get Trevor Lawrence. Have you read anything about this, John, that he's actually saying, well, you know what, I might go on and do a postgraduate degree and um, I, I want to play for the Jets. What I do know is that, and this is to paint the picture of Peter, how, how this guy is viewed, is that you remember very early on in the piece when Messi was 13 and 14, and the reports started to come out of Barcelona and places like that, that someone was coming that was better than anyone who'd been around. And I remember those things coming out. I remember them coming out from um, Argentina internationals as they were retiring. It's like, you know, someone's coming who I'm not fit to lace up their boots. Well, this is this dude. He's coming out and he can really play. And I think the last time that I remember a first-round draft pick um, deciding not to do that would have been Andrew Luck it himself. Was. Yep, they put the pressure on. That'd be correct. Yes, it was spot on. So uh... Andrew, Andrew Luck did that, and who I can't remember who he messed around, but he ended up going to the Colts, and that was a fluke for them. I hope he goes to the Jets. I was, I was actually really worried, and I don't want anyone who's a New York Giants fan to get me wrong on this. I was really worried he's going to end up there because they're a painful franchise, and um, I've never really been excited about the way they play and. And I don't want them to bob up and steal any more Super Bowls. And I don't want them to have the best quarterback going around just because they're having an awful season. Yeah, it's just... Uh, so I'd rather... It's because the Jets really haven't done anything for 50 years. The Jets will pick him. There's no doubt in the world. Jets will pick him. And if he decides not, to, if he decides to take another year away, well, you know, we know what it's like with injuries in a, in a contact sport like that. You know, he takes his uh, career into his own feet or hands, so to speak. Well, let's move on to something that Pete has been dying to talk about. And let's talk about... Yeah, the Formula One, Pete. Let's do it, man. Formula One time, all right. Let's go, let's go. Okay, so what's happening in Formula One at the moment? (laughs) Oh, jeez. i tell you what, one thing that actually popped up in Formula One was a sensational um, back-to-back pit stop in the Mercedes lineup where Hamilton came in and... Without having to drop his speed, um, the second driver right behind yeah. ended up just coming in directly after an absolute piece of art from the guys in the pit lane for that. Like, it, it's exactly what they've been training for. 
to be able to have that momentum, to be able to do the quick changes, to be able to like just have that flow. That is just masterpiece. Spot on. Absolutely. Thank, thank you for bringing that into I remember when Joe Kinnear was in charge at Newcastle and he actually managed to get um, Lee Boyer on off the bench <laughs> and onto the field and organise a punch-up, which was uh, wonderful. But, um, you know, that's uh, if that's the highlight of the Formula One season, I'm I'm struggling with that sport these days. I used to love it. Well, let's, uh, let's have a look. My God, it's so let's boring. Let's have a little bit of a look at the Premier League and then we'll get Pete to really sum up the Champions League. <laughs> Sorry, Paul, that was a joke interlude by me. I just want to show you. I absolutely it. love it. Uh, so we'll start off with the Premier League. The week started off with uh, Saturday morning. Leeds masterclass of breaking uh, one-touch football. They demolished my previously undefeated Aston Villa. And 3-0 was probably quite a flattering scoreline in the end. I don't think we have played badly. And I don't think we played horrendously in that game. Leeds were just sublime. And it's real breath of fresh air to see a team like that in the Premier League. Yeah, I think if anyone hasn't already seen the highlights, when, when you get to the wind of opportunity, the counter-attacking moment in about the 88th minute where yep. you've actually got Leeds players picking up the ball kind of the edge of the 18-yard box inside their own half, and then they end up having a counter-attack with a chance on goal uh, within four seconds of being inside the Aston Villa box, and you've got yep. eight players who have got close to uh, basically secure. To swarm a little here. Beautiful kick by Martin to Baker. Baker to McIntosh. Long and straight. And the Tigers have made a really good start now. Have a look at this. Deliberate off the outside of the boot. Sends it long and deep. Rewalt got under the footy a little. Look at them gang up on Lynch there. If they weren't four, left Martin. Around the body. High ball. He's got it. What a Gee. Just at that moment that you wanted him to kick a goal. And then that kick there. I see Colin Jasny there. He's not an easy man to get away from Colin but Dusty just didn't didn't get too phased. That's what he's done. He knows his strengths. So deep in the attack here for the Tigers. Lynch trying to edge Stanley under the footy. Chief Blitzarms took him on and Martin got him on. He made the error with the, with the uh, free kick, but he chased and chased and chased and caused the turnover, and nobody's better than the Tigers with scoring from turnovers. Here's Martin. So Martin goes inside 50, unusually well-disguised kick there, and Graham's got three. Short was able to back up, send the ball to half forward, high ball bolted there, Rewalt tries to knock it forward, Rioli had a cracker as well, spills to Martin, little right foot slider, during the counter-attack. Now, that doesn't just show energy. That shows drive. That shows passion. That shows the the persistence and tenacity that Leeds has um, to be able to bring into this Premier League. So everyone had plenty of question marks about the likes of Patrick Bamford coming into this Premier League season. Would he actually be, you know, the type of striker that needs to be successful in the Premier League? I, I guess at the moment, he's definitely showing his class. Now, the, the biggest sign for him personally is going to be whether or not he can continue this trend because obviously think back to last season where everyone was celebrating the likes of Timu Puki over at Norwich and then fall apart. Bit of thunder in the background there guys, sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. as long as you're safe and sound, that's all that matters. 
Uh, so, look, a 3-0 result for Leeds, great momentum, fantastic passion from the Leeds fans, and you could see it um, from the Leeds players at full-time, how much that result meant to them personally. As someone who followed the opposition, for me to say that it was a masterclass, and uh, I think I wrote to one of our friends who's not on the show tonight with about three or four minutes to go, and I said, I can't watch this anymore. As, as good as it was, I, I thought Leeds were going to put on another goal or two, but they were fabulous. I thought Man City had enough chances to put West Ham away, and West Ham were really brave in that game. They're real. You said it before a week before, uh, Pete, that you really liked the signs that West Ham are showing, and I thought they were really good value against City. And, and a great goal from Antonio as well. Uh, the uh, the overhead bicycle, just brilliant, brilliant. He he just used a city defender as almost like a wall to lean against to be able to get uh, that shot on goal. So well done to West Ham, who at the moment, it's kind of scary, but they're actually looking okay. It's, it's scary that they're looking okay. We're sorry for that, uh, Hammers fans. <laughs> um, any other any other of the fixtures uh, strike you there? I thought Southampton getting back on track against Everton um, was one of the big results of the weekend. Uh, Huge result for Southampton. Definitely uh, a real strike of intent with the likes of Everton, who had previously been top of the table, falling to a Southampton side who, you know what, it, it's been spoken about in plenty of other podcasts, but a year ago, uh, Southampton lost 9-0. And yeah. what, a, what a difference 12 months of football makes. Anything for you there, John, that stood out over the weekend? Your team, um, uh, Newcastle, getting a draw against Wolves? No, we might have lost John there. I'm back. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, no, no, I'm back. I'm back. I'm. I. I. I was listening to all that intently, and Pete's of, and you guys have got such an amazing insight into the game. For me, the highlight was the last ten minutes against Wolves. Yeah. Um, that's the sort of opportunity. If you guys have taken that, and Pete, I don't even know who your team is. Of all this time we've spent talking, <laughs> who is your team in England? Uh, look, I, I, I just enjoy good football, but uh, I do probably have more Liverpool jerseys in the wardrobe than I do have any other teams. So uh, it, it would be quite okay. obvious to say that I'm a Liverpool fan. All right. Well, then in that case, uh, you know, you, the, 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 the trials and tribulations of following, you know, you talk about people waiting yeah. and waiting. And few, few passionate sports teams um, Fans have waited longer than the fans of Newcastle United, and they've lived, they've lived through some absolute garbage. Yeah. So everything becomes worthwhile. Like you get a free kick, like at the weekend against Wolves. Yeah. And um, I can say that for about the eighth time in maybe twenty years, when I've kicked out and started to do stupid things in the morning in the lounge room, that my middle toe on my right foot is once again <laughs> um, being rebroken. And um, and you know, but it's worth it because it's just fantastic. I loved it. How are the lads? And, and we're getting a really we're six games in, so still haven't quite got the picture. But Man City with a uh, game in hand, not playing the best football ever, they could be two points off the top. I think we're going to have a really good fight this year, and we've been crying out for these kind of Premier League seasons where you know I do. I can already say that, you know, the teams like Fulham and so forth, they are going to struggle all season. But besides the bottom probably three or four, every single team's absolutely competitive. What a season this is going to be. 
Exactly right. So I've got two questions to pose to uh, both of you here. So first question is going to be, who do you think is better value at the moment? Hyunmin Son from Tottenham, who currently has eight goals to his name, or Arsenal's entire squad, who have eight goals next to their name? I think uh, I, I don't think we even need to answer that one because <laughs> I've actually not only has he scored those eight goals, they've been fabulous goals. So uh, <laughs> you know, I don't think I need to answer that one. You, you want to answer that one, John? Well, I think I tipped Arsenal to win the title. So uh, remember that little bit when they were looking really good for about a minute in the, in the first two games. Yes. Um, and, you know, they have a great striker themselves. But, yeah, our son's awesome. He's fantastic. And, that, and isn't that the beauty of football, though, that, you know, even though we follow our own teams, we can acknowledge and enjoy the great players from any other team? I think that is the best part of following football. Yeah, exactly. The right. energy the guy brings. And I, I'm sorry to cut to, The energy the guy brings as, a, let's be realistic, a guy coming from... Dudes come from not the regular countries and... Uh, to see a, an, an Asian international tearing it up like that in one of the big leagues, yeah. it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. I mean, it's happened before, but the playing at the level he's playing, that's just this fabulous. And, and the smile on his face, because that's what sport's all about. Every time he does something well or someone else does, one of the best smiles I've ever seen in world sport. I know I'm going a bit over the top there. Pete, you had a second question for us? Yeah, I do. Uh, so second question is, uh, now, I've actually been troubling to get some sleep lately. So which game do you reckon would be better for me to watch to try and get some sleep? Would it be Burnley hmm. nil and West Brom nil or Chelsea nil and United nil? I think the Burnley-West Brom game was the worst, the amongst the worst sporting. Uh, look, you know what it was like, Pete? It was like, oh, my God. I can't wait for the Formula One to finish. <laughs> and, uh, and it was just amazing how boring it was. And I've got to say, West Brom, um, you know, when you're the owner of some really great football kits over the years, someone needs to be rolled out and shot at that place. Um, look, I think both games were pretty bad as well. I, I think either of them will do your service there, Pete. I actually um, chose um, – I've left it on my Twitter account um, – pinned up so anyone can see it because I'm not going to delete it. I'm going to let people see how bad a tipster I am. I tipped uh, Chelsea to win the league this year with their signings. Um, and it just goes to show the whole money ball concept of buying players means nothing if they can't gel. Um, so, yeah, if you wanted to watch a really boring game, you could to go to sleep. You could watch Chelsea play at the moment as well. Yeah, that's really good. I appreciate uh, the words of wisdom there from both of you for that. Uh, thank you very much. If I'm you, man, I'm keeping away from that. Those games, are, uh, they are dire. <laughs> Can I say something about about um, just the, the competitiveness of the league this year and 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 uh, how often the criticism gets thrown up by people who don't follow football and people who do follow football, like who follow teams that aren't the bigger clubs, is how one-dimensional usually the league competition can turn out to be. Yeah, you know when you went and playing for that title, and then there's that talk so oh, you know, you could have playoffs and all that. And look, let's be realistic. I mean, you don't have to be Nostradamus to usually know who's going to win in Germany or Spain, you know. Uh, you don't have to be a football expert to go, you know what, I think Bayern might actually best Dortmund this year. In England, um, there's been a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a revolving door at the top and it's who's really good in the last few years and even having Leicester get up and be competitive since. 
And I'm just looking at the sports around the world who've got salary caps and drafts and things like that. And the, the, the idea is to not have the same team win every year. Yet, ironically, I don't think – I can't remember the AFL having as many dynasties or the NRL having as strong a dynasties as they've created under the systems they've got. Mm. And even in the NFL, the Patriots have won six titles in, you know, 19 years. I think some of that and yeah, sorry, John, didn't mean to cut off. I think it's a really interesting question to pose and say, does it actually work? Well, I think the um the it is probably a question for another podcast that we can do because the mm. things also like the free agency, um, that's not free agency in AFL and NRL where that you know, people are actually saying, I'm going to that club or I'm staying here. I'm not going anywhere. You can pay me out. I won't play very well. Or you can get me to Richmond. Or you can get me to... You know what I mean? So I think the free agency in the AFL... Well, do you know what I think is the actual biggest factor? We think about this a lot, right? And I'm thinking that if if I've got a team that's in touching distance, um, let's say if, if Newcastle beyond our wildest dreams were allowed by the Premier League to actually have an owner who was interested in winning football games and titles, right? And we could choose whoever we wanted. And we spent a couple of years where we were, you know, maybe finishing third or fourth. And we could look at it and go, you know what? We need to target this space, this space, this place, and buy this player here and there. Um, if I've got the, the capacity, the money to do it, I can actually go and target those guys and take them. Yep. There's nothing to stop me from doing yep. that. That gives me a legitimate chance to win. However, if I'm like the fourth or the fifth best team in a competition that is, is, is giving all the credit to the bottom-feeding teams, my chances of actually getting up and knocking out a a standing champion is far less because I don't have the room to move because I've got to wait way too long yeah. to grab those players to bolster my t- And I think that's how they've created these these demon teams. And like Richmond, you know, you look at them now, you go, man, they could be winning for another three or four years. Their list is young. And if Lions is the only team that can realistically challenge them, um, you know, we're not really at the races with that. It's a bit scary. Anyway, just a no, thought. Great thought. I think we should definitely cover that. Uh, we should, I think we should do a separate podcast where we do talk about um, equalisation in sport and so forth because it's a really, really good topic and there's some good case studies out there. Um, Champions League this morning, Pete. Um, I actually, the two games that I enjoyed the most were actually draws. Um, and that was uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, versus Real Madrid. Um, and as it's like... <laughs> That's Atlanta versus Ajax. I thought they were two fabulous games. Yeah, totally understandable. Atalanta playing probably the, the most aesthetically pleasing football at the moment. Um, their style of play is just something to be marvelled at. And they're the type of team who, um, for the for the football purists, they'll be studying for a couple of years to really understand their, their style of play, the way that they can affect teams in the front third and they're really enjoyable as is always the the IX way we've obviously got plenty of youngsters coming through that side who are keen to impress it's it's a true development club who um, get success it's a really enjoyable game uh, as we jump across to Borussia Mönchengladbach and Real Madrid um, there's no doubt that uh, Zizou has been under um, some pressure at Real Madrid, but he's the type of guy who always gets results uh, when it really matters, and especially in El Clasico uh, over the weekend. Uh, we we saw Real Madrid play some really good football. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
obviously from you know a, a Reds perspective, uh, Liverpool uh, playing against uh, Mithalan, uh with a 2-0 victory there, positive result. Obviously a downer seeing the likes of Fabinho uh, going off injured in the 20th minute. So that adds even more injury woes to a uh, Liverpool side who currently look like they've only got one centre-back in Joe Gomez now. So who knows, maybe Jordan Henderson will have to play at the central defensive role. Uh, Atletico Madrid getting a, a 3-0 victory over Red Bull Salzburg. Um, it, it's a really positive intent from Diego Simeone, uh, again, proving that he's more than just a defensive coach. He, he can coach attacking football. Uh, and we got and to see Bayern, the likes of... And Bayern really pushed by Locomotive as well. I thought that was a really good game and Bayern, Bayern getting the winner there. But Locomotive played some pretty nice football as well. Yeah, exactly right. Um, so, yeah, we can't take anything away from what Lokomotiv uh, Moscow did against Bayern. Um, a, a positive result for Bayern Munich. Uh, and we also saw a 3-0 uh, a win for Manchester City over Marseille. Uh, again, uh, the front three of Manchester City proving to be uh, incredibly strong with the likes of Raheem Sterling amongst the uh, scorers, uh, as well as Ilkay Gundogan and Ferran Torres. Uh, So plenty to celebrate for the Manchester City side. But the points were actually shared between Shakhtar Donetsk and uh, Antonio Conte's Inter Milan as well. So it kind of highlighted the issues which are currently going on over at Inter Milan, where it, it seems like with the resurgence of AC Milan, as one of the strongest teams in Italy at the moment, Inter Milan have kind of um, they've the wheels are starting to shake a little bit. Yeah, they looked like they were going to make a, a good charge for the last few years. Um, John, if you get a chance, we don't always say watch highlights to get an idea, but the Manchester City passing for one of their goals, either their second or third, is unbelievable. It's so simple but they're all in the right position and it is a thing of beauty. And they could have actually won that six or seven nil. They, they played really good football. Well, it's good to see Pep having some success in Europe again. Um, like in the uh, group stage of the Champions League. Brilliant. It's kind of a classic um, thing for him though. Like it, it, what we'll see is we'll see City do really well in the group stages. They'll get to a finals. He'll overthink it and he'll change it and he'll end up playing a, a two, five, three formation and it will completely cock up. And as per usual, City will struggle when it comes to quarterfinals or semifinals. Yeah. And I'm not allowed to to bag him because he obviously his hero is Bobby Robson, but um, you know, it's, he's got his shortcomings. Can I just uh, have a little reflection on Borussia Mönchengladbach? Of course. I'm pretty, I love seeing teams like that, like, and they're getting back into the top level. Because it takes me back to being a kid. Yeah. And I remember getting my shoot um, uh, magazines and then asking my mum, I said, look, how do you pronounce this? What's it called? And she told me that, Borussia Mönchengladbach. I remember I loved their jersey back then when they used to be like a big deal in Europe. And they've had a few years where they went away. I went back and had a look at their all-time team. Yeah. And some of the greatest players in history have played there, like Bertie Boitz and uh, Loda Mateus and uh, Rainer Bonhoff and guys like that. I kind of have an idea that Karl-Heinz Rummenigge was there as well for a while. Stefan Effenberg. And you look at the quality of the players that come out of that era and, and you go, you know what, there's, there's so many great teams on the continent of Europe and, and the way, when they feed those guys up, like, you know, we talk about Ajax being a club that creates players. Yeah. And, and I love those clubs that do that. They've got these real academies that produce real players who can, on their day, do amazing things for their national team and their club team. And the, 
I think that's the secret to Germany's ongoing success is these strong clubs who contribute brilliant players at every level of the sport and uh, they do everything right from the cradle to the grave. And I love their jersey. It's one of my pride of place in my jersey collection is my um, Borussia Mönchengladbach jersey. And he does have a great collection, Pete. You'll, uh, you'll have to swap some photos, guys, because uh, John has his hanging up quite often in his man cave and there's some fabulous kits there. I'm someone who's given away more kits than I, than I possibly would have in my house now. I, I, I get to the point where I'm like, where can I put any more of these? Um, some news, mm. news uh, on a local front came through this afternoon and it's divided a, uh, a team that's already, from a fan point of view, already got a few people offside. Brisbane Raw will be announcing that they will be playing their home season at Redcliffe or Dolphin Stadium um, for the uh, 20. Uh, 2020-21 season. Um, and that's, for the people outside of Brisbane, it's a north side suburb um, that's not easy to get to for a lot of people. So, you know, Brisbane has the Sunshine Coast about an hour north and the Gold Coast about an hour south. Not easy to get to a lot of these stadiums. So Dolphin Stadium is not like you can get off a train and you're straight there. You have to basically get two or three different kind of trains. Um, so it's already dividing a supporter base in a lot of ways. So Dolphin Stadium has been um, done up. It's around a 12,000-seat uh, beautiful rugby league stadium, which will now be a football stadium as well. Uh, for someone like myself, selfishly, I'm 20 minutes away from it. Um, and the membership fees for a family, for example, and this will interest you, Pete, because it's a boutique stadium, they're looking at about four or $500 for a family for a whole season. Okay, interesting. Very interesting. Um, I like the fact that we're going towards this boutique stadium. Obviously, uh, the, the difficulty in terms of transport to be able to get there, that's, uh, that's always going to be subjective. Uh, for you personally, I, I expect, you know, 20 minutes away, shouldn't be too hard, jump in the car, down the road, that kind of thing. But uh, I feel like once you start thinking about the families who – you're targeting as your members to go to games, to, to spend money at the stadium, to be, you know, part of the club moving forward. Um, it adds difficulty for sure. Uh, we saw the likes of even with Sydney FC when they moved to uh, Netstrata Jubilee Stadium. Uh, it, it added that layer of difficulty of changing venues, having literally no uh, designated parking and instead parking throughout the streets of Cogra. It, it, it added layers of difficulty, in which case there were plenty of fans who basically just said, tell you what, we'll just watch it at home on the TV. I'm going to come to you. The truth is, is that Paul might be 20 minutes away from it. I'm three and a half hours. So, I'm, And so... John, I'm, I'm going to stop you for I'm, one second. I am going to stop you for a second because I, I really want to hear your point of view and it's a very strong point of view. I just want to quickly come back that the Dolphin Stadium is very like Cogra. It's going to be extremely hard for people to park anywhere near and it is going to put a lot of people off. John, I'm sorry to cut you off, mate, but I really wanted to give you that. No, but you're right, mate. So go for it, mate. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, look, we talked about this a couple of months ago, Paul. Yeah. And we've talked about it several times in different ways. The, the geography is Redcliffe to... The Gold Coast is the equivalent Pete, of setting um, th this decision really for most people in Brisbane 
especially on the south side of Brisbane and people out of Ipswich on the Gold Coast, is like moving Sydney FC to the Central Coast. Yeah. Or even worse, to 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 Hunter Stadium. Yeah. It really says to people down here that you're we're not interested in you. Now I can tell you that Redcliffe, Redcliffe, I know going there from rugby league, and I know going there um, on, over a long period of time. It's very hard to get to, and unless yeah. you've got a car, you're not going. Yeah. And there's no train. There's no real bus service into the bay side that I couldn't say from here. How the hell am I going to? If I'm a kid and I want to go and see my football team, it's not happening. My parents will need to pack me a rucksack and book me accommodation overnight to go and see the game. And I hate the decision. I know why they did it. Yeah. But, you know, and I get the boutique stadium thing. The great thing about Lane Park has always been where it is. How about we improve the fan experience of being there and bring people back? And how about we, like, get relevant and being a team that people want to watch in Brisbane, and Brisbane's the focal point of Queensland. Is Queensland are different to New South Wales and Victoria? Paul, you know this. Yeah. Genuine Queensland people like me go for Queensland teams, and we don't want to watch them in Redcliffe. It's a, I can't yeah. be more up front than that, and I won't be going because, you know, if I do go up there, I'm going to need to book accommodation for the night. Pete, just to give it a bit of relevancy, and what John's saying here is absolutely spot on, okay? I, I've lived on the Gold Coast. I've lived in the heart of Brisbane. I'm living north now, 40-odd um, minutes north of Brisbane. To put this in perspective, John would need to drive to a Gold Coast station. There's a number, obviously, of those. He would need to come into the city. He would need then need to get another train, a Redcliffe train. Uh, well, it's called Kipper Ring uh, or whatever it's called now, uh, Peninsula Train. And then he also has to then wait for a bus or, you know, any kind of possibility of getting to the ground. So that's one thing, getting there. Then getting home at night, you can imagine the nightmare that would be if there's any uh, inclement weather uh, or anything like that. It's going to really put a lot of people off. People come from Toowoomba, which is about an hour and a bit away from Brisbane, but they can just drive in. They're not going to be able to drive into Brisbane and out to Redcliffe. I know why they've made them decision like John said to move away one of those is that I believe to break even at Suncorp they need I think 14 to 15,000 and we're only averaging about 10,000 a game well they've got to set their sights higher yeah the thing you know to me why don't we reach for some for excellence reach for the stars a little bit and and if they if they were going to move the team this team's essence the cognizance of the Brisbane Lions as they were called the Queensland Rule was at Ipswich. Go west, it'd be a lot easier for everyone to go to Ipswich. This is the difference, Pete, between saying, oh, my God, I've got to go to the the top of the central coast to go and watch a game, or, you know what, I've got a chance of going if it's at Blacktown from anywhere, you know what I mean? There's just no... There's, the, the, I, I just... Yeah, I'm rolling my eyes. I, I just think it's a sign. You know what they should call them? The Red Cliff Rule. 
They can't even get a goddamn rugby league team operational out of there at a national level. And it's a rugby league. What department. are they doing? Yeah, it's a that. Look, uh, Pete, just to put it in a bit more perspective, what what John has said there about um, going out to Ipswich. Ipswich is a massive rugby league and football town. It's accessible from the Gold Coast, from Brisbane, from North Brisbane. So the the decision and Ipswich is getting a boutique stadium. Is my understanding as yeah, well. Yeah, they're, they're building yeah at just at the just there. So maybe it's a short-term kind of process um, to force the hand of either Suncorp Stadium or the Ipswich Stadium, but it's going to get a lot of supporters offside, and this is peak A League right now. Get get your remaining loyal fans offside is peak A League. Well, look, no better time to do that when you've only got, what is it, eight and a bit weeks until the competition is set to kick off. So, uh, look, there's no better time than right now to start annoying your fans and to uh, frustrate them as much as possible than right now. Look, to be blunt, I, I for the first time in my history as a Sydney FC member, I questioned whether or not I want to get a membership this year. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, I've not paid for one. And at the moment, I don't plan on getting one. Uh, I just look. I, I, what I uh, to be blunt, I have not even opened up the emails that say this is how much renewal is going to be. So I, I've completely just blanked it and thought, you know what, the A League at the moment, I've become so disenfranchised by uh, the fact that I feel like there's there's a true lack of direction across all teams. There's a lack of connection between teams and communities and there's no real clear pathway, not only for, uh, for players, but for administrators, for coaches, for referees. I, I feel like there, there is that disconnect in so many different circles that I, uh, I feel a better grace and a better relationship with an NPL competition where there is tangible success. Yeah, and I think what's interesting there, and I, I, I agree with Pete, like, but you know, if we go back to the formation of the of the A League, and we've talked about the NSL, and I love the NSL. Yeah. The A League was brought in to bring rivalries between the cities of Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, and all that. Now, are we getting all these new teams coming in? And I get it, right? The only thing the A League hasn't done is try to shove another team in Brisbane and put them in somewhere further out where they can just water that area down. If you're flying into Queensland and you want to be a proper sports event and you want to represent the state, you play at Lane Park. 100%. Well, quick one before we move on. Uh, Do you guys remember what the slogan was for the A-League campaign back in Season 1? Real football. I know they kicked the uh, paint against the uh, paints, painted soccer balls against the wall. It's football, but not what it's uh, football as you know it. Correct. Is that right? Correct. So football, but not as you know it. I feel like the way we look at uh, the early league at the moment, we know exactly what's going on. We've got the same players being recycled around. We know exactly what to expect, and there's no surprises. Um, and you know what? Looking at the fact that we don't have a name naming right uh, for well, the Tim's competition. Mowing, Tim's Mowing's not on board. The J-League. I was very good at J-League in Japan. <laughs> Look, at the moment, Jim's Mowing or even Bunnings A-League would be a, a contender. So who knows? 
Barney's Warehouse. We'll score your goals, Grouse. Yeah, we should go down that path for sure. Um, so it's really disappointing for someone who's a purist like yourself, uh, Pete, and also John. It's really, I'm, I'm happy for myself just in the short term. I'm not happy where the Brisbane Roar is going. I want a boutique stadium. I agree. I think Ipswich would be. If we're not going to play at Glen Park, I think Ipswich with a boutique stadium would be fantastic for everyone involved. So let's see what's happening. I will let you know, while we've been talking, my phone has been going nuts with people. I've put a couple of things out about the Brisbane Roar this afternoon. My phone has been going nuts with people saying they're not going to re-sign their membership because it's not being played at Suncorp Stadium. Wasn't Redcliffe, that was where the, um, the Storm were playing out of, wasn't it? Oh, no, that was Sunshine Coast. No, they played at the you Sunshine might as well have Sunshine Coast. You know, I'd rather go to the Sunshine Coast and stay the night than go to goddamn Redcliffe. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, Does that make sense? Look, okay, I... I can go and have a surf at Noosa. I think, you, I think you've nailed it, mate. I really do. Um, look, it should be called the R-League, the Recycled League as well, I think. Uh, let's stop bashing it. We've all gone to the games. We've all followed it. We've all put all our money into it. But I feel like um, if anyone thinks we're bashing the game, it's actually the opposite. We're just disillusioned with with what we've had to cop in the past few years. And we could not be alone. Uh, there's no way we could be alone. Maybe it is great for local football and more people go back to watching their local teams. Like you can go and watch Palmy. Um, I might go see whatever local teams uh, north of the, you know, north of Brisbane. I haven't really gone to see too many in the last few years. And um, you're, you're in coaching will get even better there, uh, Super Pete. Yeah, exactly right. So uh, I tell you, I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing the introduction of MacArthur FC because at the moment uh, their community engagement model is really positive. And if anything, uh, with the the interesting uh, decisions and uh, actions being taken uh, taking place between the A League and FFA, has actually meant that a lot of the state federations have really stepped up their gear and uh, started you know, being a bit more active. We saw the likes of Football Queensland release their pathways for futsal. We saw Football New South Wales starting to promote uh, the NPL final series in more and more depth. They're doing much more community programs. We've seen Football Victoria uh, really step things up with the likes of Kim Montaliodorus uh, really starting to lead the, uh, re- lead the way. Football West are doing some sensational community engagement works across all regions like the state federations, uh, as as much as there's been talk of saying they should be disbanded, they've actually picked up their gear a lot over the last six months. And they bloody needed to, Pete, to be honest. I, I'm glad you're saying what you're saying, but it's been pretty, pretty awful the last few years, to be honest. I, I mean, I could go on the websites and not know what's coming up. You know, I want to go see a local game and I get on there and I can't even see what the local fixtures are or I have to, yeah. you know. They don't transfer to mobile formats. No. So, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, Pete, but so they bloody should. And enough of the fees and everything go into those state bodies that they should be up to date with those. Sorry if I'm getting a bit cranky there, but I think they should be doing exactly what you've already said years and years ago. Let's move on. We'll come back to the world game every week. Congratulations to the Brisbane Broncos women. Uh, I believe they won 20 to 10 in an absolutely outstanding game. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't get to see it. 
Um, so if anyone did, if you guys saw that at all, congratulations to the Broncos. They are fabulous. Yes, I watched it. I like women's uh, rugby league and rugby union. So it was, it was, uh, I watched the second half and the Broncos were their dominant self as they have been for the previous three seasons. One of the, uh, can we call them a dynasty in the women's, uh, women's rugby league? It's got to be closer. I think you certainly can. It was great to see all of the women's rugby union, um, gold medal sevens players playing throughout the rugby league this year. They all got releases from the ARU to play in the rugby union, uh, play in the rugby league comp that's because great. there was no Olympics this year. That's and I think that's a kind of move that you want to see federations taking. And, and it's goodwill for the players, isn't it, as well? They're going to speak highly mm. of the ARU and, um, and to be able to do that, especially with the limited opportunities in those sports at the moment for women, that's, that's a great call by you. Um, right. So congratulations to the Broncos women, absolute champions, and, and hopefully get celebrated a bit more over the next uh, few months. We will move on to the NRL Grand Final. Thoughts on the game, guys? I don't know. Should we ask the referees? <laughs> or should we ask the uh, incompetency of throwing uh, intercept passes, of um, being in awe of the uh, Storm uh, leaders? And No, look, the refereeing was ordinary in the game. Um, but the team, the team who came out to play held on. Look, it's part and parcel of rugby league, isn't it? And look, let's be honest, football and it's part and parcel of rugby union and the AFL is you've got to deal with the referees in front of you. I think the Storm showed the most adaptable team in the comp over many years. I think there's what we said before. I, I said when I, one of my few tips I got right in the last couple of weeks was the Storm winning because I kind of felt like, you know, Penrith are a team that flashed this year. They've really only found their mojo. I think the Storm, they are literally a chameleon side. They played under both sets of rules. They own, I, I thought their defense was quite amazing, actually. And I've got to say that intercept try was one of the greatest pieces of athleticism I've seen. When the dude hit the ground and got up and then kept going and found his way 80 metres, that was brilliant. Um, you know, I've got to... Obviously, I said at the start of the show, completely biased. It's one of the first Storm Grand Finals I've missed going to. Um, not, I'm a Storm fan, but I wouldn't say I'm a fanatic where the word comes from. Um, my AFL is number one. Um, you know, everyone who knows me knows that. But I have to take, I can't be unbiased with this. I thought the Storm deserved a win. And I could not, I had to mute the sound to save my TV from being broken because I could not listen to one more word of Gus Gould. Yeah, people, what do you think about that commentary, man? <laughs> to be blunt, I, uh, I had the game on in the background on mute. So uh, I, I think I saved uh, my own hearing and uh, have avoided any chance of going to the doctors to get my uh, ears tested um, by just having the TV on mute. So I think that's a good way to just you know save yourself in the future. I'm generally, even as a Queenslander, I'll defend Gus as I think he's a guy who actually is... I think, you know, you have to acknowledge when a person's an all-time great coach. Yep. I think you have to acknowledge when they know the game far better than you do and the ins and outs, the minutiae, everything that happens. Um, and I've watched him at Origin. And I've always, I really admired him during Origin when Queensland was pantsing New South Wales for a long, long time. And you know that what he was feeling about that. Uh, I thought he kind of was trying to make a point that, everything Penrith were doing 
was kind of looking good until somehow the storm broke it down. Mm. And uh, he never really, though, acknowledged that the storm were able to create their own luck. And and I think you only make your own luck by being in the right positions, playing well and taking opportunities that arises. And I thought they deserved the game. And I actually thought they should have won by more because I can guarantee you the refereeing decision on the Penrith throw that brought them into the game was wrong. Mm. So there you go. Well, Pappenhausen's try is going to be one for the ages where he finds the gap and just puts that head down. Um, I've watched that over and over again. Now, this is a guy who was told by so many teams he's too small, um, wanted to play fullback, uh, was said, no, you're not going to be big enough for the game. I love those stories. You know, he, he, he goes on and wins the, uh, wins the medal, the Clive Churchill medal, best on field. They are the stories that I follow sport for. A guy rejected over and over again, and, and, and he's now a premiership player and um, best player on field. I think it was fabulous. The refereeing was awful on both ways. I think Penrith were unlucky in a couple of occasions, but so were the Storm. Um, the kick that led to one of the Penrith tries was kicked behind it. He went behind a player. So, you know, it's tough on the referees. Let's be honest, it's tough on them as well. Uh, they're in the game of their lives, and we can all bag them, and I've certainly done that over the years. I've tried refereeing and umpiring. It is a tough gig. I don't think the refereeing was as bad as it was in the in the grand final year before. So when yeah. there was two of them, yeah. so yeah, it's a, um, it's a tough gig, and, and so let's acknowledge that in all sports, with no referees, hmm. no umpires, no game. That's what I say to my kids, and um, they're under pressure as well. I don't think that gets um, commented on enough. That it's the game of their lives. They build up all their career to referee uh, or umpire a, a grand final, and maybe you know, I need to pull my head in at the age of forty-seven and actually acknowledge how hard it is. Yeah, exactly right. To be to be blunt, I I will give the example of one of my best friends who is a local association referee, and he's uh, he basically called me the split second he was confirmed as refereeing an all age division one final, uh, and he was celebrating like it was his version of the World Cup himself. Uh, so you know what, we might bag them out as you say, but. This is such a, a meaningful moment for them. Uh, this is such a, a huge uh, thing that they've been working towards the entire season to really prove that they deserve the spot to be in the middle for a grand final. And you know what? W- without the referees in a game like this, there there is no game. So <laughs> they're there for a reason. They're there to make sure that the ball keeps moving. They're there to make sure that everyone keeps playing and doing things the right way. So... Look, I might have had a bit of a joke about it at the start, but credit to them. Um, th- that's that's why they're there. Well, guys, um, do we have any final thoughts on sport over the last few days? Um, anything that has come to mind that you wanted to talk about there? Well, quick one for me uh, before I wrap things up. Uh, someone close to uh, this show, you, Paul, personally, and myself, uh, is Haley Razzo, who put out a message earlier on today saying that her family home was actually robbed on Monday. So if anyone comes across any items containing the, the Razzo name or any of the Matildas national team gear for sale online, please reach out to Haley Razzo or reach out to the, uh, the guys at FFA office. Uh, they are incredibly worried about what's being taken from the Haley Razzo household 
so keep an eye on that. If anyone is searching around on eBay, on Gumtree, anywhere else, uh, Facebook Marketplace, whatever, and you come across something that is Matilda's national team gear that looks a little bit sus or has the Razo name on the back of the shirt, please definitely reach out to uh, the powers that be. What city is Hayley living in now? Uh, yeah, her family's type oh, in Brisbane. Her mom, sort of be her, her mum's uh, mom's home more than likely. So, well, John's very connected to the Razo family as well. So we will put that out. Uh, I'll get that out on social media. And that's that's horrible. I, I actually didn't know that, Pete. I've been offline today. So I'm actually devastated. Um, mm. uh, we'll, we'll do all I can to spread that news out and keep an eye on it. I've actually... I'll... Yeah, I'll do that down the southern Gold Coast too. Yep, done. Um, oh, I feel a bit selfish now bringing up my point. I actually got to hold the Premiership Cup after the game um, with my dad. So uh, Rewalt and uh, Cochin sat on the fence in front of us. We had to hold the fence up for them with people rushing down. And um, they handed us the Premiership Cup. So um, to be the first kind of civilians to hold it is a memory with my old man. doesn't matter what happens in the rest of my sporting uh, supporting. I'll never forget that moment. So, bit of selfishness from me there. That was a great photo, man. I was pleased for you and your dad. I mean, I know how much your dad loves the Tigers, and I couldn't have been happier for uh, all you guys. And I hope that's the last time you guys get to celebrate a Richmond win for a while because I'm getting sick of it. Yeah, and, and I can totally get that. Is looking outside in, I, I really do get that, and uh, I do hope that over the next few years, a team like St Kilda. Um, gets to gets to you know there'll be some St Kilda supporters who have never ever 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 seen anything like it. So I'm hoping a team like St Kilda gets us. Uh, what would be a rugby be What would be a rugby league team that we could get behind next season? Um, that that that's really hasn't had any success at all, but has a Parramatta. Parramatta. Okay, I, I find that. Very I guess hard. they'd be the next one, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have a look at that. We'll, we'll, we might get behind a couple of teams that haven't won in many, many years. Um, I'm not going to get behind them. They just not. haven't won for ages. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I can't get behind um, so, Parramatta either. But, yeah. my, thing, my thing is, and I'm just on a, on, on a selfish note again, is um, this weekend is the um, Queensland Rugby Union um, All Schools uh, Rugby Sevens Championships. And... I want to wish luck to all five of the teams that are going up representing my school this year. We go in as defending state champions in, in the women's draw, um, open girls, and uh, we've got a chance in definitely we're a good shot at going back-to-back there and fingers crossed those girls have worked super hard for many years. Going back-to-back would be a great legacy. And, you know, we had two of the girls who've come for our program get drafted for the Gold Coast Suns a couple of weeks ago and we've got girls who are being, you know, moving into the Australian rugby program representing Australia from our school. And I'm very proud of that. And my, the, the opportunity I've had to work with those kids and we've got boys going up this year as well. And hopefully they can uh, do themselves proud, but I hope that everybody who's involved in that, it's a huge event. Yeah. You, you only realize how much sport brings people together when you go to something like these yeah. state titles yeah. And the cars are just backed down for miles and miles and there's hundreds of thousands of people just milling around. And when we did um, play and play in finals at Ballymore, it was epic. We can't go there because it's, it's getting redeveloped. Yeah. But um, definitely hoping that, Paul, you know this, that 
if we can go back to back, that's going to be some achievement in that open girls division because it's pretty tough. Unbelievably so. Where's it been played this year, John? Uh, somewhere on the north side. I think it's somewhere near Redcliffe Stadium. So, um, you know, I could go to Kippering Hungry Jacks while I'm up there and see what the food's going to be like when I go to a game. Oh, Carl's Jr. You've got to go to Carl's Jr. out there, mate. So they'll, they'll do you fine. Uh, unlimited refills on your drinks there as well. So, uh, unfortunately... I won't be long enough because I've got to get home in 15 hours' time and the game's finished. <laughs> Guys, it's been a pleasure. I love your point of view. Every week you, you come up with stuff that I, I couldn't even conceive. Um, look forward to speaking to you next week, and I hope you have a brilliant week uh, weekend of sport. Good luck with all your teams. I'm actually going to take a bit of hi- a hiatus from sport and just come into a zen state, a zen state of winning. <laughs> Enjoy, mate. Well done this week, and, um, and Pete, I hope that everything goes well for you. Thank you. Thanks, John. And Pete, any final words from you, buddy? Thank you very much, guys. Always a pleasure to talk for some uh, sport with you. Stay amazing as always. Uh, thanks for joining us another episode of the Love Sport Podcast. You can get us on Facebook at Love Sport Network. You can also find us on Twitter, Paul underscore football. We've got Lambic Peach. We've got Pete Novikowski. And we have Hunslet White. That's the four of us just talking rubbish. And we'll speak to you next week.